Welcome to So Here's the Thing, where we share candid conversations that lift the veil on what it takes to find success, even if that means sharing a few unpopular opinions. I'm your host, Leili Amati. Grab some coffee or a cocktail, and let's get real. Okay, friends, let's welcome back Sarah Erickson from Sarah and Design. She's going to be joining us in a little bit more of a casual capacity today, but as a refresher, in case you didn't catch her episode, she is a brand designer amongst a lot of other things, and she's also a genius. I love her so much. We are both in like the Dallas, Texas area. So we get to spend a lot of time together and we actually lead a local group for creative entrepreneurs here in Dallas. It's the local chapter of the Rising Tide Society. So we get to work with a lot of up and coming creative entrepreneurs. And she also guest speaks at my workshops for photographers, my retreat for creative entrepreneurs. And we go to conferences here and there as well. So We get to work with a lot of people who are just kind of starting out or who are in the, I guess, time frame of growing their businesses. And we see a lot of the same questions. And so today we are going to kind of delve into the question that we get more often than not, which is how did you or how did you know, so-and-so succeed so quickly? I'm doing all the same things that they're doing. I'm not, but I'm not booking. I don't know what I'm doing differently. Like, what did I do wrong? And while there are a myriad of things I think that kind of come together to create like a perfect storm of success, there is one thing that I think, or a couple things that I think are overlooked more often than not. And so that's what we're going to kind of talk about today. Sarah has made kind of a really big shift in her business between being a wedding stationer, a calligrapher into branding and providing really awesome and intentional services for creative entrepreneurs. And to the outsider looking in, when she made that shift, it may have looked like she just came out of nowhere. Um, It's kind of that iceberg effect. But what people didn't see was that she actually went to school for design. And so I would love for her to kind of talk a little bit about something that I think is overlooked a lot in the creative industry where everything is kind of at our fingertips right off the bat. And that is just the actual time you put in with practice and gaining experience. So Sarah, I'm going to let you kind of jump in here and tell us a little bit about your experience and the years that went into building a vault of experience before you actually started offering services. Because I think in our industry, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of times people just jump in and they start offering services without actually putting in the right amount of work to kind of hone in on their craft. So tell me a little bit about your story and your background in this. Thank you so much for having me back on the podcast. It's so great to be back here and chatting with you. As you mentioned, we spend a lot of our time together. We spend a lot of time thinking about these things. And so it's really fun to have an avenue where we can share it with other people and get some feedback on what they think too. I love everything that you've said so far. And there's so much that we can unpack here about experience and about the things that go into our business behind the scenes and a lot of the emotional stuff that gets caught up in that, like comparison that can add into thinking that people have succeeded really quickly. When you're right, a lot of times there is this like iceberg effect that you see the success, but you don't always see the work that goes into it um, prior to that building up that vault of experience. So I guess I just want to start with 
A little disclaimer that I'm certainly not saying any of this because I think that I am better than anyone else or (laughs) anything like that. These are all topics that I'm personally still working on that I see a lot of area for growth for myself. And it's not to put anyone else down. I think you and I both struggle with these things. And that's why we talk about it on this podcast is to to shed some light on the fact that we all deal with this iceberg effect. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I think that a lot of times, especially, I mean, we're the ones with the mics right now, but if you're sitting there listening, just know that we have either walked through this or are currently going through this. And so that's really the heart and the intention behind this is to be able to provide answers to things that we either wish that we had the answers to in the beginning, or we are currently working through right now. So thanks for adding that in. But yeah, this is definitely not to add to the comparison, but to kind of help you overcome it in a tactical and helpful way. And also Sarah and I really do try to keep it as real as possible. She delivers things a little bit more sweetly than I do, but we both kind of want to make sure that we're being a hundred percent upfront with this because these are things, this is kind of a hard topic. This is something that I think a lot of people want to ignore and they want to kind of like push past. And we want to make sure that we're saying, Hey, slow your roll, take a second and take a hard look at your self-awareness. Do I actually have all of these things in place before I start complaining that I'm not booking? Absolutely. And that being said, in my experience, you're exactly right. I have had people that have come and commented how quickly I was able to grow my business or make a shift. And I think that's all relative. I mean, to me, it doesn't necessarily feel quick. (laughs) And I think a lot of that is because people don't necessarily think about or acknowledge the fact that prior to starting my business, I went to school for design um, and I had a formal education in design. And that's not to say that that's the only path toward quote unquote success. (laughs) There are so many self-taught designers out there that are incredibly more talented than I am. But I think that where they gain their experience um, is in the real world. And that's a totally credible way to get it. I experienced something different of having an intense academic program that I went through where I was constantly learning about graphic design, creating new things, learning about brand design, and getting those hours and hours of practice that really added up to being able to launch a business in a way that felt maybe a little more fast than other people feel about their own businesses. So I think that going to design school offered a lot of different benefits, but the first of which is just that it's an intense experience where you're getting practice every single day. And for me, on top of that, it was getting practice every day without worrying about a business. So (laughs) you get even more hours devoted to your craft because at the time I wasn't worrying about how to respond to emails or what should I do to update my website or what do taxes look like? (laughs) None of that was even on my mind. I got to devote everything about my experience at that time to really intense, devoted practice at design. I mean, I would chime in here and say that while you went that route, I, it's interesting because I went the opposite and I am a self-taught photographer, but interestingly enough, I also have the same people ask me the same questions like, oh my gosh, I feel like you came out of nowhere. Well, I was working for seven years on teaching myself really like teaching myself the craft of photography and of editing. And it's changed so much. I mean, you should see my work seven years ago is not good y'all, but I will say that looking back, of course, there's pros and cons to both. Like I will say that while I was working over those years to develop my photography skills, you were in school at the same time working on your 
brand and design skills. And so there's no right or wrong way to do it. I think the main thing that we're trying to stress here is that the time that you put in on the front end is one of the most important things that you can do in your business. And I think it's one of the biggest things that people are trying to skip these days. So if you're sitting there listening and you are one, two, three, four years into your business and you're like, I don't understand why I am not quote unquote succeeding. Why am I not booking at a higher price point? Why am I not seeing improvement in my skill, it's because you're still, even though it feels like you've been doing it forever, let's be real. Let's keep it real here. You are still just starting out. My skills are still being tweaked and perfected and worked on. I am nowhere near where I want to be in terms of perfecting and honing in on my craft. That being said, I feel like the past seven years have taught me so much and I wish that I could go back five years and, and tell, tell myself those two years in like, Hey, it's cool. It will all come in, but take more time to practice. The other night we were at Tuesdays together, which again is that local chapter of rising tide. And I was chatting with a photographer who is super sweet and she is really, really talented, but she was telling me like, Oh, I was working on what you taught me. I was, I taught her back button focus, which if you're a photographer, you know, takes a little bit of getting used to. And once you get used to it, you love it or you hate it, but most people love it. And she was telling me like, I just can't, I can't get it. I can't get it down. I don't know what I'm doing. And I was like, well, you know, don't go in on a wedding day practicing it. You need to practice it like on your off time. And she goes, oh, well, that's probably why because I'm not going to do it on a wedding day and I don't shoot anything else. So I don't have time to practice it. And I was like, girl, go shoot things around your house. Like take the time to practice. And I think that that's just something that gets overlooked. I don't think it's an intentional lack of trying. I think it's just something people don't talk about is gaining experience through practicing in your off times. Sarah, I know that you have some really good thoughts on this when people come to you and ask like, why am I not booking these clients as a designer? What would you say? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head already. To me, it's just, it's all about practice. I think that our creative market is saturated with so many great resources to get educated on your business and on marketing tips and how to master Instagram and all of these great areas that are important to your business. I mean, you definitely should be learning and growing in those areas, but I do think that you're exactly right that there is one area that people always overlook. And that is that sometimes the area where you need to grow is actually your work, the quality of your work. And that's really hard to hear. It's a very unpopular opinion. And that's why we're sharing it here on this podcast, because we've both experienced it. We've looked at our own work and you know, had some self-awareness to say, there's a lot that I want to be better about this. <laughs> and it's really challenging. It's really hard. We put a lot of effort and love and passion into our work. And so to hear that maybe there's room for growth is not easy, but I think it's so necessary. And there are so many educators in our industry that, like I said, are willing to come in and coach you and help you with everything about your business, getting set up for finances, anything along those lines, but very few will look at you honestly in the eye and tell you your work could be better. And that's where practice comes in. We need to be more self-critical. We need to be able to take a look at our work and say, is this the missing link? Is this something that I'm taking the time to grow? Is this something that I'm taking the time to put in those hours of practice so that I can have the experience that makes my work better or at least closer to where I want it to be? I love that you bring up the fact that somebody needs to look you in the eye and tell you that your work needs to be better because I think that within our industry, 
if you don't go to school for your craft, if you are not getting that formal education where somebody is being paid to sit there and basically tear your work apart so that you can build it back up in a better way, you're not getting really great critique. I, I know that if you are a creative entrepreneur and you are sitting here listening to this, I know that you're at least in one or two Facebook groups and that you see consistently people posting in there saying, a client is unhappy with my work. I want some quote unquote CC, constructive criticism, but please be gentle. Like that's not going to help you, you guys. I honestly think that the benefit of having somebody take a look at your work, someone with a trained eye, someone who has years of experience to be able to sit there and for you to say, honestly, tell me what you think. Tell me how I can improve. That's invaluable. And I think that more, I think that most people don't get that in their, in their careers unless they are specifically going to school for it. I know that I had to fight for it myself with my mentors to tell them like, please tell me the negatives here. That's just the kind of personality that I have is I want someone to tell me when things aren't going well. But I know that that's not all of us, and I know that our work is very close to our hearts. And so it's really difficult to kind of put aside our – to not take things personally and put aside our quote-unquote egos. I hate to say ego because that makes it sound really negative, but it's really just kind of like our fragile emotions and feelings to say our work is separate from us as a human being and our work does not equate our worth. But that being said – I really don't see a ton of people asking for critique and asking for honest critique, even as an educator, even as somebody who hosts workshops and retreats and experiences where I want to be able to tell people, um, this is how you can improve. A lot of my students will tell me straight up, I don't think I can handle it. And some of them will say like, hey, yeah, give me some tough love. Like, tell me exactly what I need to improve. And some people will be like, hey, listen, I really can't. I can't. It's going to break me. And so I think if that's you, working on kind of developing a thicker skin is is going to help you grow really quickly. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We could dive into this for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> yes, I think that you are spot on about all of this. We are so lucky in our industry that we are in such a kind industry, really. Our emails are often dotted with exclamation points and smiley faces, and we respond with heart emojis to everything, which is lovely, and it makes us all feel wonderful, but it is doing us a disservice when it comes to being self-critical of our own work. I think it's so great that we have that friendliness in the creative entrepreneur world, but we are definitely lacking the same type of honest, critical feedback that you would expect in a formal education where you do have peers and industry leaders and professors who are taking a good look at your work and telling you what could be improved. And I think that that's something we have not built into our industry. And I'd love to see more of in our industry is a willingness to put our work out there for each other as peers or to ask our mentors to be honest and look at our work and tell us what it is that could be better. (laughs) That's the only way that we're going to grow and hone our craft and be better in our skill set, not just in the business side of things. So you're exactly right that this is something that you get by the bucket full in design school (laughs) or any other school where you're learning your craft. Most of my experiences in a formal education for design were bringing in work every single day, putting it up on a board and having your professor and industry leaders and peers critique it. And sometimes the critiques were not nice, guys. 
I mean, I'd like to think that my work was always good, but it wasn't. And I had professors and people that I admired from ad agencies in the industry that could come in and look around the room at the work that we've done and say, this is a bad idea. Try again tomorrow. Absolutely. (laughs) And you learn to take that. You learn to separate it. You learn to look at your work as something that you have created, but it's not you. It's not your self-worth. Your self-worth is not dependent on it. You have an unending amount of creativity that you'll dig into. You'll try again tomorrow and it'll be better. You'll take that feedback and turn it into something that does have more skill and craft and creativity behind it. We could totally benefit from more constructive criticism in our industry. I think that could look like taking advantage of those Facebook groups that are more intimate, where you can really dig in and be honest about work, to be upfront and to give constructive criticism. That doesn't mean it has to be mean. You don't have to go in there and (laughs) make someone feel terrible about their work, but there are things that someone who is an expert can come in and point out about your work that is an area of growth. And you need to be willing to accept that, (laughs) to hear it, to incorporate it into your work and to let it be a tool that helps you be better, not something that destroys your self-confidence, which again, this is all easier said than done, (laughs) but it's not something that's there to tear you apart, to make you feel less than about your work. It's a tool to help you, to help you get better, to help you book those clients because you're producing better work. That's the key, I think, is for people to be willing to hear it and willing to apply it to their work in order to improve. I really do feel like the majority of what I see within these forums where people are asking or or saying, hey, like this client was unhappy with my work, almost everybody will hop in and be like, well, they knew your style before they booked you, so it's fine. Or, well, they saw the quality of of your work before they booked you and so it's fine. Instead of, it's very rare for me to see somebody hop in and say, unless it's myself, to be honest, to hop in and say, yeah, I mean, they saw the value of your work beforehand, but I would say here are a few ways that you can improve and here are a few ways that you actually did a great job because I think it is important to be constructive with your critiques, but I, I do also think that it's important to be honest and to say what you actually believe and what you've actually been trained to know as somebody who is looking at these forums who may have just a little bit more experience than the person who's posting. That being said, I think that obviously we can all improve from constructive criticisms and critiques at any point in our careers. In fact, I I feel like creating a group of people who I can kind of post my work in or even in the case of this podcast when I was creating it to be able to share the initial you know, thoughts and initial work and say, what do you think about this? How can I improve it? Please be honest is really, really invaluable. So I would encourage anybody who is kind of like, well, I'm, I don't feel comfortable posting in large scale forums, find a local group, find a small group to be able to do that. That's one tangible thing that you can do. Another, I feel like if we can talk tangible steps for you to take in order to kind of improve and make time for practice, make time for experience, open yourself up to critique. I think, Sarah, you had a few really good thoughts that kind of were laced into what you had said earlier, but just being able to kind of open yourself up to willingness, what are some first steps that you would suggest for someone to take? Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) Again, I feel like we could unpack so many of these for such a longer conversation, but 
<laughs> as far as some quick tips go, I do have a couple of thoughts that have been helpful for me. And again, that's not to say that I have achieved some pinnacle of design excellence, but <laughs> I mean, but you kind of have. Like if we're going to, if we're going to be keeping it real here, like you're an extremely talented and successful brand designer. And so I also want to keep it real and make sure that people understand that they're here from an expert here. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you to say, but it's also an area where I'm very aware of my shortcomings and it's an area where I still want to grow. And I don't think we ever reach a point in our creativity or our business where we can say, ta-da, I've made it, you know? We are always looking for new ways to grow, new ways to learn. And I think that that criticism and being able to accept it is a huge part of that. So you've already talked a little bit about one that I think is important, and that is to just get out of your own office and ask other people what they think about your work. I mean, we rarely do this, guys. (laughs) A lot of us work from home alone. I'm so self-involved with my own projects. I can dive in and get in the design zone and be in that zone for hours on end. But I'm not really ever getting any feedback other than client feedback unless I seek it out. And I don't think that very many of us are doing that. Again, we're seeking out help on business tips or any other area of marketing, but very few of us are reaching out to people that we admire or hiring mentors or creating some kind of mastermind group where we're actually putting our work out there for critique by our peers and people in our industry, not just by clients. We love our clients. They have great ideas, (laughs) but they are not coming from the same place that an industry peer is someone that you admire their work who can come in and tell you, here are the missing links that I see. Here are ways that you can improve. So unless you really put yourself out there for that kind of critique, you're not going to get it and you need it. (laughs) So reach outside of your own office for just a little bit. Secondly, I think that we need to work on learning how to give and receive constructive criticism. Lately already pointed to this a little bit that, you know, we can give positive feedback, but also to look critically at your work and at others work around you. I think we all like get caught up in this comparison game of really admiring someone's work, or it gives us that like twinge of jealousy or comparison, but how often are we stepping back and looking at that person's work from a more critical standpoint? You know, um, it could be looking at someone's work that you admire and saying, what is it about this work that I'm, I'm drawn to? Is it that they're able to capture a feeling that I like? Are they, you know, using colors that I really love in this color palette? Really take a, a look critically at why you admire that or why you get that twinge of jealousy instead of just letting it get to your emotions try to process that in a more practical way <laughs> to uncover things that you that you admire and that you want to emulate in your own work and i don't mean that in as in a way to copy that but just to be building this library in your mind of ideas and principles that you like and want to incorporate into your own work so those are a couple i would also say a huge one like you touched on earlier is to practice and to make time for it and to make it a priority. And I think for me, this was true, not just in design school, but especially when I was um, learning calligraphy, because you see a result so quickly, you know, you can practice for two hours and your result is so much better than what you started with. It's important to do anything that you can to give yourself time to practice your skill set, especially in a non-client setting. And that I think is huge because when you're trying to implement new skills or you're trying to practice a new area of creativity, 
while you're also bound to a client's worker expectations or a client timeline, you're doing yourself a disservice with that practice. It's not really the free reign practice that you need to hone in and do work that will improve your portfolio overall. So practice could look like creating pretend portfolio pieces. If you're a photographer, it could look like going out to shoot something that you don't usually shoot a different subject matter. It could be learning from a Skillshare video, some new skills that you might want to incorporate. Anything that's going to stretch you creatively and give you those hours of practice is the most important thing I think any of us can be doing in our business if we want to reach that next level for our skill set, not just for our business growth. Absolutely. And I think it's really interesting to put in there the caveat of making sure that it's not tied to client work. I actually, I'll be the first to admit, like you said, we're always learning and growing. I kind of got complacent and I started to feel a little bit overworked um, a little while ago. And actually you were the one that told me it was one of those seasons where I took on a little bit too much work and I was shooting consistently in my photography business. Like I definitely broke all the boundaries that I set for myself, which this could be a whole, it should be a whole nother episode of hustle versus rest and when to take on work and when to not take on work. But all that to say, I took on way too much. I'll be the first to admit I totally messed that up. But I was shooting so much and editing so much that there was actually like a kind of a breakthrough in that time where my work became so much more elevated than it was before. And I didn't intentionally do it. It was just a matter of practice. Now I kind of did it the wrong way because I did it with client work, but it taught me a really valuable lesson that from here on out, whenever I do feel like my work is starting to be lackluster or complacent to take on a little bit more and push myself a little bit harder to go outside of what people are paying me to do. And I know I always joke about like, I won't even put pants on for, for without being paid X amount of dollars. And that's just, that's just me. But I do think that there's something to be said for taking on extra work in order to grow your experience, in order to increase your skill level. And I didn't even know that I needed to at that point because, I mean, honesty alert, I just felt like my work's pretty good. I'm good here. Everything's fine. But I really didn't know how much better I could be. And and so that's kind of where I like to look at it now is I know I can be better. I look at these people whose work I so admire now from a place less of comparison and from a place of admiration and from a place of if I push myself a little bit harder, I can get a little bit closer to being as skilled as they are. So I think that that mindset shift is really important as well. Yeah. And that all plays into that iceberg metaphor that you gave us in the beginning. Those are all hours that you put in that most people didn't see. You know, you weren't posting all over Instagram, this incredible achievement. (laughs) It was slow growth over hours and hours and hours of practice. And I really think that that's the only way that we can improve our skills. And that is the base of everything that allows you to grow your business. If you can grow your skills, hone your skills, and become better at your craft, that is what will allow you to charge those higher prices or to you know, be able to bring on someone else who can help you or all these other goals that we have in growth, I think really stem from where are our skills rooted and are they, are they at a good level? And sometimes we're not willing to <laughs> look at ourselves honestly and say, they're not. This is an area that could be improved and it needs to be improved if my business is ever going to grow. And I do think that 
it's easy to get caught up in the Instagram or comparison of looking at that tip of the iceberg. And we don't see whether that was three years of going to school for a craft or whether it was an incredibly crazy season of hustle in your business that helped you grow. I think that usually those successes that we see are coming from hidden hours and hours of work and experience that were poured into those projects or were poured into an overall library of skill set that that person has that we admire. If we're talking about people that we admire and being able to look at their work and appreciate it and incorporate some of the ideas into what we want to reflect in our own work, I think it's really important to be looking at people outside of our own industry. You know, we kind of all get caught up in admiring the same people (laughs) in our small creative industry world. I mean, every photographer loves Jose Villa. You know, I mean, (laughs) we all have the same people. I really do. I really love him. Continue. And he is a fantastic photographer. And there are a lot of things about his work that are worth looking at. But when we're all looking at the same people and the same things that we admire, our work all starts to shift toward a similar aesthetic. And I think that our creative industry could be so much richer if people would start looking outside of the industry, whether that's turning off Instagram so that you don't see any more of that and go outside in your real world and find artists that admire you. Um, or it could be something like you're going to pay attention to the patterns of bathroom floor tiles are something that have always fascinated me. And I take pictures of them on my phone. And then when I'm creating a design later, I'll go back and look at those for inspiration. So I think seeking that inspiration outside of your industry, and again, looking at other artists outside of your industry and critically wondering what about that is something that I admire. I actually was just thinking that, all of what we have said is not industry specific right now. This could definitely go across the board. Even I'm, I'm sitting here as you're talking about drawing inspiration from people outside of our industries. I'm thinking about my own journey kind of as a speaker and as an educator, as I, I don't know. I mean, if you're listening, you probably might not know this, but I was a teacher for just short of a decade in the formal education industry, I guess you would call it. I was a high school teacher and so obviously I have that kind of experience in my back pocket, but as, as a speaker in the creative industry, I really love to be able to kind of draw inspiration and see what I like and dislike about the way that other people speak from business talks to other podcasts, to the news. Like, I mean, you can find public speakers anywhere and drawing from teachers and professors that I've loved and I've learned from and being able to kind of apply all of that. So you can really find things like this regardless of the industry that you're in. Um, and so I appreciate you bringing that up too. This conversation was the bomb. I, I feel like we could literally, I say this every time, but I don't even care because it's true. Every time I talk to Zara, every time I talk to you, girl, I feel like we could talk forever and ever and ever, but we will have you back on to kind of delve into more of these awkward, uncomfortable real talk topics because I think that they are important and I think they're things that I wish somebody would have talked to about me seven years ago. So thanks for coming on the show. I feel like I normally ask for unpopular opinions, but this was one. So this was definitely full of them. I will say, I just want to leave our listeners with, we've packed kind of a lot of tough love onto this episode, but if you don't have those hours of experience, please know that that's okay and it will come and it just takes time and hard work 
which I know that each of you can do. Um, <laughs> but if you're feeling less than or lacking because you don't have the experience that you wish you did, that's actually a great thing. I'm a huge fan of that Ira Glass quote. I post it everywhere about seeing the gap between where you are and where you want to be. And that's a really healthy thing. So if you are feeling that in your heart right now, just know that that's something that you can embrace and lean into and it will help make your work better. If you can learn to use it in combination with just a hint of honest self-criticism, you will get there. You will get your work to where you want it to be and you're okay where you are right now. Thank you so much for that encouragement. I definitely agree 100% that if you're sitting there feeling that way, it already sets you 10 steps forward from the person who is unwilling to kind of look at their business or their art or their skills in an honest and self-aware way. So don't be discouraged by this. Take it and move forward in a healthy and productive way. And we are cheering you on because we really do believe as leaders of a community group that is centered around helping others succeed, we truly do believe that every ounce of tough love that we pour out there is meant to help as many creatives succeed as possible. So you got this, y'all. For show notes and resources mentioned on today's episode, head to so here's the thing podcast.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love to read your review in iTunes. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll catch you in the next episode. <laughs> I'm sick. <laughs>